Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Okay, don't forget to say something after you. Happy you Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was my intro and I interrupted her and yeah, so <laughs> we're doing great. Um, I made a hoodie. I saw it. Or you sent it to a me. Happy Monday hoodie. It says Woo, happy, happy Monday. Monday with crimes and closets. So there's that. And they also had some new products on there. And so I made a really cute bucket hat. I know it's not summer, but it's real cute. So y'all should go check that out. And if you have our merch, post pictures or send us pictures that so that we can post them because it's so fun. Yeah, it is. It actually, uh, yeah, it's fun to see that. I, You know, I, when you were just saying that, you know what I thought? I don't know if this would work out like on a shirt, if it would look silly or how to like design it. But I feel like it should be like, have a happy Monday with Crimes and Closets. <laughs> oh, we can do it. <laughs> I know we, we say happy we want. Monday. I know. Yeah, true. Anyway, go ahead. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. <laughs> that was all. I just remembered that I made the shirt. So go get, and it's a hoodie. I should make some t-shirts too. Yeah. Although just so they're the there. Hoodie. I know. It is hoodie season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a weather. We so, said that last time. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Let's not go down that road again. <laughs> um, One of my friends owns a boutique and she has a sweater that literally says sweater weather. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. <laughs> Definitely need to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on? You got, you got anything, any interesting stories, facts? So you know, I will anything? say I went... I had my hair done this week mm -hmm. and, um, when I was sitting in the hair chair waiting on my grays to go away, I was looking, trying to put my phone on Wi-Fi, and there was an F a Wi-Fi for FBI van. It was FBI van number 3805 or whatever. And I screenshotted it and sent it to Christy and was like, why is the FBI at my hair salon? What's going on? And I was like looking in the parking lot, like, where is he? What are they doing there? What are they doing there? Well, you, I mean, I think you know my answer to that. <laughs> yeah. She says it's a person who just put a fake hotspot name. <laughs> yes, because mine is called Closet Phone. And I have another friend who calls hers Batcave or Batmobile. I think mine is I like remember. Beth's Hotspot. Yeah. Well, if your that's phone's name, it's whatever your phone's name is in the system. So if it's like Beth's iPhone, then that's yeah. what it's going to be. So you, you can rename your phone. Oh, I'm 100% renaming yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. To FBI so. van number 3902. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody to freak out. Like, yeah. I did. I was like, what are they doing at my hair salon? Why is the FBI <laughs> after my lady? She's on the up and up. I know it. <laughs> yeah. It's way more fun to name your phone something different because for the longest time, I mean, I mine's just recently something that I did because it's usually like iPhone one, iPhone two. Cause if you've upgraded and whatever, it just kind of moves mm -hmm. up the next number. Except mine recently was iPhone 272. And I was like, I've not had 272 iPhones. So I have no yeah. idea why. <laughs> wow. Why it said that. So anyway, that's at the point at which I changed it. I was like, this is stupid. iPhone 272. So anyway, <laughs> so you changed it to closet phone, closet phone. It's my closet phone. 
You're so on brand. Yeah. I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have so, funny hot um, names for your phone? Tell yes. us. The Tell best us one. In the comments on the, of be the so um, fun. Instagram post. Yeah. Okay. And you'll know, it. we'll know you actually listened to this intro because we're not going to say anything about it in our post. But no. So. Yeah. You're an actual you listen, listener. Go over there and post on there. So anyway, <laughs> anything else for us on this fine, lovely Monday morning? Nope. It is October full swing, full speed ahead fall. Yes. Well, I, I'm waiting for it to actually be fall. So, yeah. I mean, I, I know, know it is, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's still so, hot. Yeah. Well, it's going to be 79 degrees today, but yeah, tomorrow it's fine. is 62. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, we'll get a, a touch of it. I'm ready for bonfires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And similar worse. Yes. Yes. So fun. I need to get mm-hmm. my fire pit rolling. You do. Anyway. Right. But in speaking the meantime, of rolling. Yes. Yeah, in the got? meantime, I have a story for you. Cool. Bring it. Okay. Okay. So the person that I'm about to talk about to you about was suggested by your sister, Laura. Okay. Hello, Laura. Thank you for the suggestion. No. I'm mad at her. I am. She, she wrote us on Instagram and in her message, when she suggested it, she said, this person is a rare piece of shit. And I have to agree with her. Did she write, she didn't write the whole word mom. She just put an asterisk, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I translated it to, I think she actually wrote poop. (laughs) It was an emoji. (laughs) Poop emoji. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, um, and just a fair warning, this is going to be a different kind of case. Um, I kind of feel like I'm back in serial killer September because um, she's not a serial killer. However, this is going to be more about her than the actual victim, unfortunately. Oh, no. Ellen Baum vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So (sighs) this is the story of Krista Pike. Okay. Chris, Krista. Yeah, okay. Krista Gale Pike was born on March 10th, 1976 in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome in, Krista. You're, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her mom was Carissa Hansen and her dad was Glenn Pike. She was a bit premature when she was born and apparently her mother had drank heavily while she was pregnant. So not off to the greatest start for her. No, that's tough. Yeah. And her parents were not together very long before they divorced. I don't know exactly how long, but it was a very short time, I'm I'm assuming. Krista claims that there had been some sexual abuse um, starting from when she was two years old by various family members, but I have not been able to confirm this, but I would not be surprised if it happened because her family did not seem like they were the best people. Krista's mother said she was a tough child and that she had troubling behavior, including growing marijuana plants in their home when she was younger. 
but this is also debated because her mom's not the most trustworthy source, but Mm. she did say it. Also, of course she had troubling behavior. Yes. Like she's being Mm -hmm. abused and you guys suck and she's a kid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, what do you expect? Come on, mom. You drank when she was Well, I wouldn't expect her to grow marijuana as a child, but that's... (laughs) Well... No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't even know. How, I, I don't even think I knew what it was, but who knows? Whatever. Anyways. Okay, so she didn't have, needless to say, she did not have a great relationship with either one of her parents, and she lived with her grandmother until she, her grandmother passed away in 1988, and Krista was 12 years old. And after this, Krista attempted to complete suicide by overdosing on Tylenol because she said she just wanted to go with her grandmother. Mm. It was... Okay. Um, her paternal grandmother and apparently she was like one of the good people and so I think this was a good time in her life and she was just like if I can't have the good times then I don't want any of the times so but clearly well I don't know if it was clearly but she did not succeed at this attempt and after that she was just shuffled back and forth between her parents over the next year And in 1989, Krista was kicked out of her father's house because she was disobedient, manipulative, and dishonest, and there were allegations that she was sexually abusing her two-and-a-half-year-old half-sister. Yikes. Yeah, we're starting down a pretty bad path. Mm. So she went to live with her. feeling sorry for her? Well, yes, I think so. Because if you're doing that to your two-year-old sister as a teenager, mm, yeah, I'm not really sure. Anyway, I'm not really sure I feel bad for you. Anyway, so she goes to live with her mom full-time, and they are still struggling to get along. And mom's got boyfriends, and apparently one of her boyfriends hits Krista with a belt, and Krista holds a butcher knife to him until the police come to arrest him. Wow. Okay. (laughs) She's like, no, Mm -hmm. you won't, sir. (laughs) Yep. Not today, Satan. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, at the age of 13, she was sexually assaulted by another of her, I think it might be the same one, but I don't think so, a boyfriend, a mother's boyfriend, and was removed from the home for a few months, but then returned after, you know, just a couple months. And so not really anything was done to help her in this situation. Great. Yeah. Krista continues to struggle and start to experiment with drugs and alcohol herself. She becomes sullen, withdrawn, and volatile. And by the age of 14, her mom has admitted that she's just gotten too hard for her to handle. And my guess is that she just kind of gave up on parenting her and just let her do whatever she wanted to do. So at the age of 15, Krista ends up getting arrested for stealing and spends a little over a year in juvenile detention. And she's 17 when she's released. Okay. And then, yes, there's also a time in which, at the age of 17, that she is raped, and there are um, hospital records corroborating this, but there is not much follow-up from the authorities, so nobody's, okay. I guess, believing well, her or why? what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like she's asking not. for help. I know, but it's not, they're not giving it to her, so... We should not be surprised at the path at which she goes down. So anyway, while she's in jail, she learns about a program called Job Corps, which 
I'm sure you know about, <laughs> but for those who don't, it's a government organization that provides occupational and vocational training to underprivileged and troubled, teen troubled teens. She goes into the program wanting to become a nursing assistant and decided to attend the program at, that was housed at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And this is where I think she is hoping and probably many other people are hoping she's going to turn her life around and better herself. Me too. I hope so too. Let's go Krista. Yes. Mm -hmm. Although that's not why I'm talking about her today. So <laughs> soon, soon after she gets there, she notices a young man named Tadaryl Ship, and he noticed her as well. Tadaryl was a 17-year-old. It is, it is one heck of a name. It's interesting. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. Tadaryl was a 17-year-old kid who lived in Memphis. He lived in a rough neighborhood and also struggled in school, so he started to get involved with a bad crowd, and his mom grew concerned for the path he was going down. When she found out about the Job Corps program, she was like, Tadaryl, I think you should consider doing this, get, get you out of here, go down the, a different path. So he decides also to go to Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and go into culinary arts. So, Tadaryl and Krista strike up an immediate romance and are basically inseparable until they go on winter break in December of 1994, because um, it's on a college campus, so they go on break when the college campus goes on break. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. They miss each other terribly the entire time and cannot wait to get back together, which they do in January of 1995, and they pick up where they left off. However, the good times don't last too long. On January 13th, 1995, a couple was walking down a path in Tyson Park, which is on the edge of the university's campus. Um, it actually houses their agricultural program, I believe, but it's a, <laughs> are hard. It's a hard word. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a public park or a state park, but it's on the edge of the campus. So you can walk through campus and you'll just be in the park eventually if you get far enough. So. There's a couple walking along a path, and they come across something on the path, and the man thinks that it's um, motor oil, but she thinks it's um, blood, so they end up going for help. They find a groundskeeper for the university who then goes and sees what they're talking about, and then he ends up seeing the trail of blood on the grass from that spot. And so they follow it down, and they come, end up coming across a body in the woods. And they immediately call police. And when the police arrive, they find a half-naked girl with cuts on her hands, back, and crotch area. Her throat is cut, and her head is smashed in. She was very badly beaten. Yeah, that's a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. And she was... Um, Poor she thing. was but yes, exactly. She was naked from the waist up, so she didn't have her, her shirt on. Um, they also find a piece of asphalt that has brain matter and her hair, or, yeah, well, it was her hair, but hair stuck to it. So they take this in as a murder weapon. She's taken to the medical examiner's office, and police get right to trying to figure out who this is. Because at this point, they don't have any reports of any missing people to start with. So now they've, they're just kind of starting from square one because they don't have anywhere to start. After the medical examiner completes the autopsy, several things were noted. One was that the amount of wounds that she had. When he's counting them, he gives each one a letter and he had right. gotten to 
double letters with her. Yikes. So, yeah, there oh was this is lots of overkill. It is. And there's lots of little slashes. They're not stabs. They're just lots of slashes. And then she has all the slits on her throat. And then the cause of death is noted as blunt force trauma to the head. So during the autopsy, they find that her head had been beaten so badly that like her skull had to be reconstructed. It was in pieces, and there was actually a couple pieces that were lodged in her brain. So when they're reconstructing it, they realize that there's actually a chunk of her skull missing, so they don't have all the pieces. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. So this unidentified woman was tortured, they believe, and the medical examiner had found that none of the slashes to her body, including the ones her, her throat slashes, had rendered her unconscious, and there were blood. there was blood in her nasal cavity, and so he thinks that she was awake during this entire torture and that it could possibly have lasted anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, this poor woman was fighting for her life and uh, conscious for the entire attack. It was awful. Wow. So after they clean up the body, they also notice that a pentagram was carved into the girl's chest. So okay, here we go. satanic ritual and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when that gets in, introduced into this, that this is possibly a satanic killing. So the police put a call out to all other authorities asking if they had gotten any reports or whatever of any satanic activity in the area and that if they did, they would let them know. So another police officer ends up calling the detectives on the case and says that he had recently gotten a phone call from a parent of a child who was attending the Job Corps program. This woman's daughter had called her mom and told her that she wanted to leave the program and come home because some of the other students' involvement in satanic worship was making her uncomfortable. So her mom had said, well, you can't. You can't come home. You signed a contract for this program, so you need to stick it out. But they were able to provide the names of 10 to 12 students that were in this group and meeting regularly. The student says that yeah, so the student also says that they need to watch out for two people who t seem to be leaders of this group, Krista and Tadaryl. Oh, so. I know them. Yeah, I've heard those names before. So apparently Tadaryl had had an obsession with black magic and the occult, and he, brought, like, he had had an obsession for years, and he brought that with him to the Job Corps program, and then got a couple other people intrigued by it, including Krista, and so then they started this small following, and they would gather and practice satanic worship in their rooms. <laughs> does, right. Does not sound fun to me. Which not is totally anything. fine, by the way, if you're not hurting anybody or yourself. No. No, not doing that, like, as a group. No, they're just hanging out doing something that they all have in common. It doesn't sound fun to me, <laughs> but <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And to Daryl. Yeah. So police are able to narrow down the time of death to around 9 to 10, between 9 and 10.30 p.m. on January 12th. So she's found on the 13th. This is the night before. They head over to the university and check in with the Job Corps security office, officers, and they ask if they have a log of who comes and goes, and which they do. So they notice that there's a group of four students who all signed out that night and left together, but only 
one of them never came back, and that was Colleen Slimmer. The other three were Shadala Peterson, Terrell, T- Terrell, to Daryl Ship, and Krista Pike. So hmm. they now believe that they have the name of the victim, but she can't be identified from a picture, even if they had one. They have to identify her through her dental records. That's how badly beaten she was. She couldn't recognize her. Wow. They proceed to take these three into custody, and they search their rooms, and into Daryl's room, they find a satanic altar and lots of demonic statues. They start talking to people and find out that this group has weekly seances trying to communicate with the devil. (laughs) Again, not something that I'm interested in. Well, yeah, and I wonder what do they want to talk to him about? I don't know. I'm not sure if they asked him. (laughs) That question. (laughs) You're trying to communicate with Satan to like what? Just be like, what are you watching on Netflix? What's up, bro? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah. What are you watching on Netflix? (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But so they're doing this weekly. So when they have them all in custody, Shadala was the first one to start talking. Shadala says that a few days prior to Colleen's death, Krista had mentioned to them that they needed to make an offering to the devil to be in his favor. She said it needed to be a live sacrifice, like they needed to sacrifice somebody, a human being. (laughs) So she was like, let's randomly pick someone, and she suggests Colleen. So they invite Colleen to go for a walk in the park, telling her that they had some pot hidden and that they were all going to go smoke. They were walking pretty far into the park and reached a tunnel, and which I believe, I want to say that this tunnel is kind of like where their campus ends and where maybe the Tyson Park starts, but I don't know. But I know that it's pretty far in. And at this point, she starts thinking there's like no hidden pot and why are, where are we going? And they, she starts questioning it. So Krista all of a sudden then pulls her head down to her knee, like so like, jams her head into her knee, you know, like picking up her knee, you know what I'm doing. I'm I'm trying to like do it on the video, but anyway, starts punching her and kicking her over and over again. And then all of a sudden she pulls out a meat cleaver that she had borrowed from another student. We don't know who that was. They've never been identified. And she starts slashing her stomach and her chest. Several times during the attack, Colleen attempted to run away, and Tadaryl and Shadala would chase her and knock her back down, and Krista would continue to attack her. <clears throat> Tadaryl then took out a box cutter and carved the pentagram into her chest while she was still alive. Oh, no, no. That is horrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Krista then finds a piece of asphalt and starts to repeatedly hit her over the head. And apparently, well, you know what? I'm gonna gonna give this information later. Never mind. We'll move on. Krista and Tadaryl ends up. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was something else that I remembered, but I remembered that I waited to tell it for a reason. So, Krista and Tadaryl okay. cleaned off blood off their shoes in a mud puddle, and then got rid of the box cutter and returned the meat cleaver to whoever she borrowed it from. Again, unidentified person. Meanwhile, an orientation specialist with the Job Corps had turned in Krista's jacket to the police. He had heard she had been held all weekend and was a suspect in the death of Colleen. But, um, and she had um, come to him that morning of the 13th and to 
get a replacement identification card. Maybe she lost it in the woods. I don't know. But she had left her jacket on the back of that chair in his office, and it was mm-hmm. there days later. And so he was like, uh, well, maybe they need this. I don't know. I don't need it in my office anymore. She's in trouble here. So she turns it into police, or he turns it into police. Inside the pocket of this jacket was a paper towel, and wrapped inside that was a piece of skull, which when they put it onto the missing piece of Colleen's skull, it was an exact match. She kept part of her skull? Yes, she did. I, Again, something I would never think of doing, but this sicko, this piece of poop, did. <laughs> when they go... <laughs> Poop emoji. When they questioned Krista and told her the evidence they had against her, she immediately waived her Miranda rights and started talking. She also gave them permission to search her room. And that's where they found bloody jeans that she was wearing that night. And she told them where she dumped Colleen's ID and gloves that she had been wearing, which was like in a, I think, a Texaco station dumpster. So they went and found those. And the police also say that she was almost giddy as she talked about what she did to Colleen. And like she was like a kid on Christmas morning or something, which is sick to me. She told the police that Colleen wasn't random. She said that she had seen Colleen flirting with Tadaryl and that she was trying to steal him from her. So she planned this because she needed to get rid of her. So it she didn't admitted, have anything to do with a ritual satanic cir- sacrifice? Well, yes and no. I mean, yes. I'm okay. sure she wanted to do that, but it was she was not. She, everyone else thought she picked Colleen at random, but she was like, no, I had a reason for picking her. I needed to get rid of her. So hmm. she admitted to kneeing her in the head, throwing her down, punching, kicking, hitting her in the head with on the hitting her head on the ground, admitting to admitted to making statements as she was doing this she just won't die i want to see her brains flow <gasps> yeah uh-huh not not cool krista oh. all three were arrested for first degree murder the district attorney made it known that they were going for the death penalty for krista yeah, they are. She, she was 18 at the time that the murder was committed and she had um, delivered the death blow. To Daryl was only 17, so they weren't able to go for the death penalty in his trial. In March of 1996, Krista's capital murder trial began and took only one week. Shadala testified against her and told the jury the whole story she had given to the police. And others testified about how the de- next day at breakfast, she bragged about the murder and showed them the piece of skull that she had taken as a souvenir. Mm. She's psychotic. Yes. What is wrong? What is wrong with you? A lot of During the trial, are wrong with her. Yeah, a lot. During the trial, they tried to say that she had brain damage from the alcohol use that her mom had or did while she was in the womb, and also she was premature. But the defense expert that they had couldn't find evidence of that. So her own d- defense <laughs> expert was saying, "No, we." We think she's fine. She was examined by therapists in jail. They concluded that she was smart, had a 111 IQ, had good problem-solving skills, good reasoning. So they were like, we don't find any evidence of what you're saying. So on March 30th, after two and a half hours of deliberation, Krista was convicted of murder 
and a week later was sentenced to death by electrocution. She was the youngest, yeah, the youngest woman ever to be put on death row and the only, only the second woman in Tennessee to ever be put on death row. (laughs) She was sent to the Tennessee prison for women. To Daryl had a separate trial and he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2028. He's in South Central Correctional Facility in Tennessee. Shadala got six years probation for her testimony in both trials. So. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. While in prison, Krista attempted to send a letter to Daryl, um, but it was intercepted by prison personnel. And when she, and what she writes is pretty sick. She states, I tried to be nice by killing her and not letting her die slowly. And they sentenced me to F and fry. That's what I get. Yeah, you sicko. Yeah. That's what you get. I mean, come on. Clearly, we all know there's appeal process out there, and Krista's lawyers are going to attempt to appeal, and in 2002, Krista legally stops the appeals process and states that she wants to proceed with the execution and is given an execution date of August 19, 2002. But days later, she changes her mind and gets a stay of execution. So... I don't know why she did that, what it was. It was a ploy. I have no idea, but she does this. Hmm. Lawyers, again, try to appeal the decision of the court. In 2004, Krista, while in prison, is convicted once again of first-degree attempted murder for trying to strangle another inmate with a shoestring back in 2001. Wow. Okay. So we're learning from our mistakes, are we, Krista? Yeah, we are. Now... (laughs) When you hear her talk about this, because she has done some podcasts and she's done some interviews, she talks about how this person had been, yeah, terrorizing her for years and, like, calling her fried chicken because she's supposed to be electrocuted and making buzzing sounds in her ear, and then she attacked her friend, and that's why she... She deserves to be terrorized. She does deserve to be terrorized, but she, like, talks about this as if this woman had it coming and she attacked her friend, and so she had to step in, and that's why she... But anyway... She's convicted in jail. Her death sentence is then reaffirmed in 2005, but her lawyers are still trying to get her off death row, saying that her rights had been violated because she is disabled due to brain damage and having a history of mental illness. They are also saying that her original attorneys did not represent her trauma from earlier in life well enough to the jury to get them to not, you know, kind of feel bad for her. Like, well, no wonder she went down this path so maybe let's not put her to death but anyway so in addition to that after the attempted murder on the inmate she was reevaluated, and they determined that she did have evidence of brain damage and is bipolar I don't know why one test say yes one test say no but hmm. who knows they also state that she would have likely become a serial killer had she not mm-hmm. been caught when she was I was going to say that. Yeah. I have watched a portion of a show called Women on Death Row in which she was highlighted. And in that episode, she admits that to what she did. She's like, I've never denied it. I did do this. I did something wrong. But she doesn't think that she should die for the act of three people just because she was the one that was 18 at the time. I kind of see that. 
mm-hmm. but I don't. <laughs> I'm like, no, you did most of that, like, attack. And so... And she picked the victim, and she had a motive, and she it was revenge, and she was the mastermind. So, yeah, you get the hefty sentence. Right, right, yeah. And you like, were and you were of Colleen age. Would Colleen have been... Right. Would Colleen have been killed if you had not been there? No. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. Tadaryl would have gone on with his life, probably just doing whatever, but she was the one that was like, we need to make a sacrifice, this is the person we need to do it, blah, 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 and did, and delivered the death blow. So, yep, I believe she's where she needs to be. There's a lot of people out there that think that she is never going to get put to death, and now it'll be um, lethal injection because they did away with electrocution. But I did see that if they couldn't get the drugs to do that, that they would defer back to electrocution. So it's interesting. <laughs> That's pretty. Uh, I don't know about that electrocution chair. That's not. Yeah. I it know. doesn't. I don't know yeah. about any of it, but like, I don't know. Here's what I know. What I know is she is a sick person. And if she wanted to communicate with Satan, here's her chance. Here you go, girl. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, exactly. Get, get elect, get executed, and you guys can talk about whatever you want to talk about because you're going to hell. Right. For sure. For sure. So, anyway, that's it. That's all I got for you. That's that's Krista's story. Blah. And poor Colleen. Yeah, I know. I wish that I had way more information about Colleen, and there just it just isn't. It's not out there. I mean, maybe it is somewhere, but not where I could find it. So, anyway. Thanks, Laura. Also, uh, just as a, yeah, as a sidebar, why do they let people, convicted criminals, murderers, go on TV shows? I don't know. I mean... Why do we do that? I get that it's, we're interested and in, like that's the culture right now is we're very interested in criminals and true crime and all that stuff. But I don't think that we should do that <laughs> anymore. Like no, the you're glorifying you're like, yeah, them. She was just yeah, exactly, and you're giving them a platform. Colleen doesn't mm-hmm. have a platform. She doesn't have a voice. Like mm-hmm. go to prison and shut up. Yeah. 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 Colleen's mom is very, very pro electrocution. <laughs> well, execution, I, I should say. Like, she is like, she needs to die. We need to just get on with this and do it. There's a a website out there that's basically mercy for Krista. I did get some of my information from there, but it's like basically f- giving the all the arguments as to why she should not have the death penalty. Like, yeah, she, life in prison. That's it. <laughs> anyway, it's hmm. it's so interesting to me. I don't know. I'm sure it was probably put up by her lawyers, but like when stuff like that is up there, it's like seriously, you're defending this lady. I I don't get it. Anyway, I don't get it either. I don't know why we don't why we do this. <laughs> People are sick. People are sick, and my kids are never fun. going to college or never leaving my house. <laughs> it oh my gosh oh my gosh I'm doing it it was a snapped too by the way my bunker oh yes you did mention to me that you got to watch a snapped and she sounds like she did snap 
It was um, it was killer couples snapped. I don't know if that's like separate or different or whatever, but anyway. So we talk about this sometimes. How like we feel bad for like the the kid version mm-hmm. of the murderer, and I do. I feel bad for like kid Krista because. Right. She had a hard go of it and but she also had an opportunity with the job core thing to like be a nursing assistant and be a better person and she could have got away from her family a job like she could have she had the chance and she did not take mm-hmm. it and she chose a wildly different path. And so no, I do not feel bad for adult Krista at all. Yeah, same. Same. I agree. Okay. Well, thank you for covering this horrific piece of poop emoji. Thank you, Laura, for suggesting. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. It's my birth month. Just wanted to remind everybody. (gasps) Oh, right. And yeah. So come find us on social media. Come email us. If you like what you hear, we would love to have a rating and a review from you on whatever platform you're listening to if you're able to do that we have a patreon if that's something you're interested in extra content over there and one of my favorite cases favorite i say that one of the most interesting cases ever for me i'm covering this month over on patreon so go check that out and always remember the world is scary people suck hide in your closet